All right, so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in, in Proverbs. And, um, and, you know, today we're continuing. We've been in a series called Life Hacks uh, at all of our local campuses. And uh, basically it's a, a series talking about the principles that we find in the book of Proverbs uh, that really help our lives walk according to God's way. And this week in particular, uh, we're talking about God's principles on hard work and laziness. That's why in good conscience, Pat couldn't preach on this. Because uh, he needs someone that works hard to come and preach this. Uh, <laughs> I hope he's watching online. It'd be great. Hey, Pat. Uh, now, in reality, I kid, you know, I kid. You know, you, you really do have a hardworking pastor. He, he, uh, he, he, you need to know that. He, he, he takes very seriously his responsibility to steward God's word to you, uh, to pray over you, to, to continue just to labor in ministry, to reach people here and all over the world. Uh, he's oftentimes first one in the office and one of the last ones to leave pouring over these messages and counseling and different things like that. And, and uh, just you need to know you have a very hardworking pastor who loves you very much and, uh, and a, a, a man that's uh, worthy of being followed by a staff. Man, we, we believe in him. We love him. And, and, and the thing he does, we, we do a thing on Thursdays where we get into a, a meeting and we'll go over the message and all the preaching pastors and, and other people on staff will be able to speak into a message to help uh, you know, we, 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 we add things. We say, hey, man, this would be good. This would be good to take out. You know, we try to limit his one-liners, you know. Uh, they still come out anyway, but we try to just limit the East Tennessee in him. And, uh, but uh, there's not many senior pastors that allow a staff to be a part of something like that because he's secure in his leadership and, and uh, his his teaching. He allows us to write and to speak into those things. So you need to know you got a godly man and a hardworking pastor. Uh, now, enough about that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we are in, we, we're, again, we're talking about hard work and laziness today. And my goal for you today is really to give you a vision for your life in Christ, uh, for your work life, but also for your relationship with the Lord. And I think the Proverbs gives us really three principles that I want us to look at today that I think we can begin to wrap our minds around when, what, what God says about hard work and laziness. Now, the first principle that I want us to talk about is in point for the message today is one, don't be lazy. Pretty straightforward, right? Don't be lazy. No one likes laziness, right? No one likes it. We don't like it in ourselves. We don't like it when we see it in other people. Uh, we've all, whether you're in, you know you were in high school or college or whatever, don't y'all remember those group projects we did when we were in school? And there would always be like, there's these hardworking, like good go-getters, and then there's that one lazy guy that you get a part of your group. I know that because I was him. I would usually try to, you know, be strategic and say, hey, 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 why don't y'all do all the work and I'll present to the class, right? That was my way, of, you, know, was, you know, how I knew the Lord was calling me to pastor. Um, but, uh, you know, for most of us, when we think about the lazy guy, we think about the late 20, late 30 guy who's still living in mama's, you know, fourth bedroom and, you know, he can't, he doesn't have a job. He's not getting married anytime soon. He's actually working on his, you know, potential 
Fortnite career. And, uh, you know, he does his best at binge watching The Office in one setting, all episodes of The Office. And so that's kind of what comes to mind when we think about about laziness. But, man, I think laziness is a little different than that. You know, the the, the Proverbs, when it talks about the lazy one, it'll also talk about, like, the slothful one or the sluggard, right? And so when the Scripture is talking about lazy one, it's not necessarily the person that does nothing, though that does include you. It is also talking about the one who would do something, maybe even a good thing, as opposed to doing what's most important. So, so doing the good and sacrificing what is best or what is great, right? And, and so essentially God says, I've called you to do this, and the sluggard or the lazy one would say, I'm going to do this instead, uh, now, you know, we, we've all done that, right? We've all sat down to watch one show. Now, you know, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, these are gifts from the Lord. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've all been there where we, you know, we sit down, maybe you've put the kids in bed, you and your spouse are sitting there, you're watching, you, you pull up a show, you, you're watching it, you're hanging out, and then you get done with one show, and that dreaded, box comes up that says next show starts in 10, 9, you've got 10 seconds to make a decision. So all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Can we watch another one? I don't know. Should we watch another one? You, are you good for another one? Am I good for another one? Then all of a sudden you, you kind of look up and you've watched five episodes of This Is Us. <laughs> Your eyes are red. You're like, because your wives made you do it, right, man? That's what we'll stick to. Uh, we've been there, man. We, we, we know we should have gotten our tails in bed and gotten reds for the next day, but we've kind of done something, you know, that may have been good or maybe not good, as, as opposed to doing what was best for us. We, we've been there, right? Uh, and, and Proverbs, it's crazy. Proverbs speaks to laziness or hard work really more than any other act of foolery. It talk, talks about Proverbs or hard work uh, uh, 23 times, uh, at least 23 times in, in the Proverbs. And, and uh, just constantly uh, imploring us to not be lazy, to work hard, and, 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 and those kinds of things. But a couple of things about laziness I want us to realize. First is that laziness is dangerous to us. Laziness is dangerous to us. Let me give you some scripture. This is Proverbs 24, uh, 33 and 34. says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a robber and want like an armed man. Or flip over to Proverbs, 25, verse 20, uh, Proverbs 21, verse 25. It says, the desire of the sluggard kills him. For his hands refuse to labor. Uh, You know, most of us believe that we are not where we want to be in life because of situations outside of our control, right? Maybe we think, well, you know, if I was only smarter, if I was more gifted, or maybe when I become discovered, like when I finally get discovered, America's Got Talent figures me out, or the voice comes in and hears me singing in church, and that you got to try out for this, and and I get discovered, and all of a sudden, I'll be where I want to be in life. But the reality is, oftentimes, we aren't where we want to be in life because we're not really willing to work for it. And we've been more lazy than we have been a hard worker. You know, Thomas Edison says opportunity is missed by most people because it, it is dressed in overalls and it looks like work. 
This is a lot of us, you know, we, we, we uh, and, and hear me, we have previously explained, and, and, and I know Pat's done this, we, we've previously said that the book of Proverbs is full of truisms. These are principles, not necessarily promises. These are principles. So when I say, uh, you know, when you, you know, when you work hard, the scripture talks about you being successful and God blessing that, that is a, that is a truism, that is a principle. There are some situations where that won't happen, right, where you will uh, maybe uh, work hard and, and not be where you want to be in life or, or not be, uh, you know, whatever. Or you, or you see a lazy one that has all these uh, things happen in, in their life. But th- these, these are primarily, these are principles. These are mostly going to be true, that you work hard and God is going to move through that, bless in that in, in mighty ways. And, and, but so, so laziness will hurt you, but it will also hurt everyone around you. And let me give you a couple more scriptures. This is Proverbs 18.9. Proverbs 18.9 says, Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. And then Proverbs 10.26 says, Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Y'all have been around a campfire, hadn't you? And that smoke just blows in your direction, Right? What do you do? Oh, oh, ah. <laughs> you know, smoke follows beauty, right? It's, it's painful. It hurts you. It's the same thing when you're doing business with a, someone who's lazy. Don't be lazy. Don't hire lazy people. Uh, don't work for a lazy boss. If you're not married yet, choose a spouse that is not lazy. Marriage is one of the hardest working things in our lives that you have to work hard at in your marriage. Don't marry a lazy person, right? Surrounding yourself with lazy people will prove damaging and hurtful to you. And the scriptures tell us to avoid those things. But the crazy thing is about folks who are lazy is they don't think that they're lazy. They actually think they're pretty awesome. They have this view of themselves that they think they are awesome. And scripture backs that up. Look at Proverbs 26, 16. Proverbs 26, 16 says, um, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. He's wiser in his own eyes. He thinks he's awesome. Everyone around him thinks he's he's lazy. C.A. Spurgeon says, to all my lazy ones, you had better be your own trumpeteer because no one else can find any good in you to praise. This is what lazy people typically do. They they ring their own bell, so to speak. They they talk about how good they are, so to speak. Hardworking people don't have to do that. Hardworking people have everyone else around them that will sing their own praises. Don't you see that? You, you, you've been a part of that. You've seen that in, in your own life. When you've worked hard and people give, hey, you want to hire this person. You want this person on your team because they, they, will, they will be a great addition. I love writing references for hardworking people. Because in those references, I'll say, if you don't hire this person, you're a moron. Because <laughs> they will be a great addition to your team. For lazy people, I'll say, huh, they, you know, good luck. <laughs> This, uh, you know, hardworking people have praises sung around them. Now, it may be difficult to determine if we're lazy or not. That's where you got to uh, ask the Lord to bring conviction on areas of your life where you might be lazy. 
Lord, show me the areas of my life where I'm not hardworking. Show me the areas of my life where I am lazy and I'm doing maybe even something good as opposed to doing what is best or what is great. Uh, or, or you need to surround yourself with people that will speak truth into your life. That'll, that'll, you know, be honest with you and say, bro, you need to pick it up here. Or, hey, you know, why aren't you doing things to help in this area? Like some people that'll speak life to you. Now, obviously, we all agree. You came in here, you know, I didn't have to convince you that laziness is not good and hard work is good, right? You came in here already knowing that. You came in here already believing. You didn't need a sermon to tell you that, right? But now what I want to do is I want to help us understand how we as Christians are to view our work. So our second point for today is that work is good, but it is not God. Work is good, but it's not God. You were created for work. God created us for work. When God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden, uh, he gave him a job to do. He was supposed to tend the garden, work the garden, right? He wasn't just supposed to stay away from the bad apples. He was also supposed to work, right? And so here's Adam uh, uh, getting told to work. Now remember, important in this story is it is before the fall that God has given him a job to do. So work, oftentimes we see work as a burden. This is our curse on humanity. No, no, that's not not true. What is true is that our work will be harder than what it could have been. But work was given to us as a blessing before the fall. So we were created for work. We were created to do the things God uh, wants us to do. And so it, that's how Adam was created. He, the, the original job description he gave to Adam was be a good farmer and make babies. Amen. All right. That was the job description. And so, so he was supposed to work, be fruitful and multiply. And, and so Adam placed in the garden, created the works in the same way we are too created to work. We, we are created to work. And, uh, you know, we, we, don't, we, don't, we shouldn't be a people that hate our work. We should be a people that, that enjoy the work, that we were created to, to have uh, these jobs in life, to, to make our world better, right? Now, the issue in our culture, a lot of times, too many Christians despise their work and worship their leisure. They despise their work and, and, and worship their leisure. If you are only living for the weekend, I would encourage you to step back and begin to ask God to give you a, a kingdom perspective of your nine to five. To, to show you why he has you there in the first place. Why has he blessed you with that job to begin with? What, why do you wake up tomorrow and go to your job? Like to begin to show you and help you understand kingdom perspective of why you have that job. But also too many Christians worship their work. They worship their work. Uh, you know, work becomes how we identify ourselves oftentimes, especially in our, our culture, right? Like you may see yourself, instead of seeing yourself as a, uh, you know, a God-fearing Christian, you may see yourself as a mechanic or a doctor or a hairstylist or, 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 or this. Like when, when you begin to tell who you are, one of the first things that come out of your mouth is what you do. And what you do isn't who you are. 
But we have so like wrapped our identities around our work instead of where our identities should be wrapped around Christ that, that it becomes to us really a, a dangerous thing, right? Like, like used to in, in olden days, work just used to be work. Like you grew up, you knew as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, uh, especially a young male, you knew what you were going to do with your life. You were going to do whatever your dad did. So you'd go to work with your dad at a young age, you would learn the trade, and then you would work. And the, the point of work was to provide for your family. Work was just work. But now in our culture, we don't see work as just work. We have kind of put all these identity parameters around it now to say work is not just work anymore, that you got to have some kind of deep meaning and purpose in your work. And so we jump from job to job to job to job looking for this like deep meaning or purpose. If we don't have that, we're unsettled. We're not, we're not fulfilled. And my encouragement to us would be that if, we don't, if we're trying to look to our jobs for our fulfillment, then we've got misplaced identity issues. That our identity doesn't come from our job. Our identity is found in God, uh, not in, in our work. And when we have our identities found in Christ, then we can view our Monday through Friday job or whenever you work, we can view our job in the right perspective. We can go to our job adding value to a company for the glory of God. We can go to our job being a witness for the gospel. We can go to our job with great intention. We can say, yes, we want to be this hardworking individual because that's not where my identity is found. And whether I have this job or not, I'm secure in Christ. And whether I get a raise or not, I'm secure in the cross. And so our identity is not wrapped in, in our work. Uh, there's a pastor, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Before he became a pastor, he was actually a doctor, a physician. And, uh, and he, said, you could, he, he said this. Now, primarily he worked with, with back then, it was, all men were doctors. Uh, only men were doctors back then when he was living. So, so his quote is, uh, his quote is, uh, an awful lot of the medical men I know, if they were to die today, their tombstone would read, born a man, died a doctor. That their identity is so wrapped up in, in what they do. Like, and, and this is the risk of our individualistic, capitalistic culture, is that our self-worth, our self-importance, will be wrapped up in our work instead of Jesus. Uh, in our culture, work is often an end in and of itself. Right, we tell our kids, right, you, you've heard this, you maybe have even said this, we tell our children, you can be anything you want to be. How many guys in the room wanted to be in the NFL? <laughs> that didn't happen. Obviously, that is not true. Can't be anything you want to be. Uh, but also, listen to the statement, you can be anything you want to be. Instead of you can do anything you want to do, even the very statement says your identity, who you are, is wrapped up in what you do. And that's the antithesis of the gospel. Our greatest identity is that we have been saved by Jesus. Our greatest identity is not our job our greatest identity is in, in Christ, in the cross, right? And so uh, having our worth wrapped up in our work can destroy us. Let, let me show you how it can destroy you. It can destroy you if you're successful or if you fail. If you're successful, then you think, oh, I, I'm, I have great worth. If you fail, 
you, you begin to think, oh, well, my self-worth is low. Like if you succeed, that goes to your head. If you fail, it goes to your heart. You've been there. You've failed at a job or you've succeeded at a job. And you, you've either been boastful about your, your, your success or you, you have been completely put out by your failures. Like this is how you know that your identity is wrapped up in your job instead of in Christ. And also kind of a thing that can destroy us. We oftentimes will, because we, we are successful in one area of life, we think that translates to every other area of life, Right? I can't tell you how many successful business people, business women, doctors, or people that, that, that I've counseled, we've counseled as a staff, that have no clue what they're doing in their marriage. But the, oftentimes we think, oh, I've got this. I'm good in this area of my life, therefore I'm good in every area of my life. And it can begin to destroy you. You know, this kind of works-based identity, this, this performance-based identity can begin to destroy you, right? Uh, you know, and it can also be an affront to the gospel. Quite honestly, uh, oftentimes when we're successful in one area of our life, we can begin to think, all right, I got this Christian thing figured out too. I'm good at business, or I'm good at parenting, or I'm good at, you know, teaching, or I'm good at this area. Therefore, I, I, got, I got this God thing figured out. And the scriptures speak to this. It gives us great warning. Jesus says that it's uh, harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. He doesn't say impossible, but he says it's hard. It's very rare to find someone successful in what they do in the business world or in the world quick to weep over their own sin or, or to, to, to abandon all in worship of Jesus for what he's done in our lives. It, it, you know, we as people, if we are successful in one area, we'll begin to think, no, I don't need to, I don't need to be dependent upon Jesus as much as that person. And it's just not true. And if we're not careful, if our identity is wrapped up in our work and it affects how we see Jesus, it affects how we worship. It, it, it affects uh, how we deal with our own sin or how we deal with the things in our life, how we serve the church. It affects everything. So our identity can't be wrapped up in a work. It has to be grounded in something that's not our performance. It has to be grounded in his performance. Our identities are not based on what we do. It's based on what he has done. So we can work any job, whatever the job, in the great confidence and assurance that we are his and he is ours. We are children of God. That is our greatest identity. That is our greatest identity. We are children of God. We are his. So don't be lazy. Work is good, but it's not God. Thirdly, third point for today is work with excellence. Just because your identity is found in Christ, not in your work, does not mean you can do crappy work. We are called to serve our great God in all things with excellence. We are created to work with excellence. Uh, the Proverbs talks about oftentimes with the, uh, with the lazy person or the hard worker, the hard worker, it'll, it'll be synonymous with the ant and the sluggard or the, the lazy person will be with a sloth or the sluggard. Look at Proverbs 6, uh, 6 through 9. It says, <coughs> excuse me. 
Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Uh, you know, when we look at the ant, here's a couple of things about the ant. The ant uh, doesn't need someone constantly over their shoulder telling them, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. The ant instinctively does the work laid out in front of them. So if we're going to be hard workers, we look at the ant and we say, okay, we want to be a person that takes initiative. We want to be a person that doesn't have to be asked all the time to do a job. We want to see the job. We want to accomplish the job. The ant doesn't need the boss always looking over their shoulder before they work hard. Oh, now I'm just meddling. Right? If you're a person that only works hard when the boss walks in, you need to consider the ant. The ant labors, the, 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 the ant takes initiative uh, because it's serving not the man, serving the king, the community. That's what we do. We, we, we work hard not to bless our bosses or to serve the man. We work hard because we're serving Jesus. We're serving the king. We have a different boss than the one that actually writes out our paychecks. We have our Lord as our boss, so we work hard for his sake, for his name. So are you a clock watcher? Are you a procrastinator? Do you, students, do you need someone to tell you to pick up your dishes or wash your clothes? I thought I'd get a parent amen on that one. Like, do you constantly need someone saying, do this, do this, you need to be doing this? Or, or, you know, does every single one of your yearly evals, is there a comment about your initiative or your work ethic? We got to be hard workers in everything that we do. Look at this verse. This is uh, Colossians 3.17 that says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Christians ought to pursue excellence in their work because we are serving our maker. We should be pursuing excellence, not for a raise, not for a promotion. If those things come, praise be to God. But that's not what we're after. We're after serving God. And, and being a good testimony in, in, in the world. Like we, we, when we do a lackluster job in our work, we, we run the risk of not doing what we were created to do. That's work hard. That's, that's, we were created for work. And we also ruin our testimonies for the Lord. Let me tell you this story. Uh, you know, my father worked at Nissan for 20 plus years. It's what brought us to Smyrna when I was 12 years old. Many of you have that same story. You came here to, for, because your family's working at Nissan. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so we were living here. And I came to Christ uh, when I was 16. And it wasn't long after that I would, uh, you know, begin, you know, my family, we weren't believers growing up. And so I would begin to share the gospel with my family. I would share the gospel with my dad. And uh, one of the things he said to me that I will never forget is he said, hey, help me understand this. Uh, why is it that at work the laziest guy on the line is the one that leads the weekly Bible study before I shift? 
I have no respect for a lazy man. I'm not going to listen to what he says. Uh, that hurts. And if you're in here today, I'd love to fight you out back. If you don't mind, we'll just meet you out here. If you're a big guy, I'll get some big friends to help me. <laughs> well, the way we work is a testimony of the God we serve. The way we work shows the world the Jesus we love. It is a testimony to them. Our witness to the world starts with how we work. Now, because we are Christians and we don't find our worth in work, that also means that we give all work dignity. That means there's no job beneath us. There's no job too small. You know, a lot of times we'll begin to come across tasks or things we're supposed to do, and we'll say, I'm not going to do that because that doesn't advance my career. That doesn't help me financially. That doesn't get me to where I want to be. So I'm kind of going to halfway do this job and really kind of put my effort towards this. But as believers, all jobs are, have, have value. There, there's no job that is too small for us. We, we work with excellence at everything we put our hands to. That's what we're supposed to be. But this also means that there is no, you know, in our culture that devalues certain jobs. It says, hey, you want to go to college so you don't have to do this. We devalue certain jobs. As believers, we don't believe that way. We believe whatever God has called you to, you work with with great dignity. Every job has purpose and meaning and when it's done unto the Lord. And so if you dig ditches, you dig the best ditches for the glory of God. If you fly planes, you fly planes and for the love, land them smoothly if possible, but mainly land them for the glory of God. Whatever you do, because a lot of times because, because of our culture, the way we've been raised, we can constantly do a job and say, this job is terrible. I can't wait till I'm doing that. I can't wait till I'm doing that. I can't wait till I'm doing the next thing. But you're not in the next thing. If you get in the next thing, that, that'll be the next thing. But right now, God has called you to work with excellence in what he's given you to do. And he's called all of us to give great value and dignity. It doesn't matter where people work as long as they are working and working hard. They're honoring the Lord with their work. Now, Martin Luther describes it like this. Uh, he says, uh, his quote is, the people who do the simplest work are the fingers of God. Let me explain it like this. Today, when you go home, and or maybe you're going to go out to eat, you're going to have a meal, maybe with your family or with some friends or whatever, uh, and you're going to sit around that meal, and before you, you, you eat, you're probably going to pray together. I hope you're praying together. And what you're doing around that meal is you, you, you're bowing, you're praying, and you're thanking God for providing for you that meal. Now, the cynical side of us was like, oh, what did God do? I worked. I, I, went, I went and picked this up at McDonald's. <laughs> no, but think about this. Think about everything that had to happen. Even if you got your food from McDonald's, everything that had to happen for that meal to be there in front of you. You think about the farmers that grew the cattle for that burger. Well, maybe if you didn't get McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> not real sure. That's mystery meat. I'm not sure. I kid. Uh, the farmers that grew the vegetables or 
raise the, the, the animal. You have the, the distribution. You have the truck drivers that drove it from that farm to a processing place. You have more uh, transportation to get it from the processors to the grocery store. You have the grocery store people who put it out there for you to purchase. You have the clerk that checks you out. You get home. Not to mention the job that help you be able to pay for that and provide for that. The health you have to work your job to be able to provide you know, to pay for that to bring that meal home. And you sit down before that meal thinking how all the fingers of God work to provide and love His children. There's no job that's too small to be a part of the mission of God. Everything. If it's working towards the betterment of our society, obviously there's certain fields that would be unholy fields, but if it's working towards the betterment of our society, it is God's work. You don't have to be a missionary or a pastor to have God's work. You are the fingers of God doing the job you do with excellence, with hard work, uh, and, 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 and working towards the thing that God has for us. Now, I want to, uh, you know, obviously many of you know me already. And uh, some of the hardest messages for me are just, hey, don't be lazy, work hard. You know, because a lot of practical how-tos, it, it kind of, uh, you know, I, it, you know, these are things I'm like, because you know, I'm very black and white. It's like, hey, yeah, read the Proverbs. You should know this, right? Uh, but I want to help you, like, apply this to you spiritually. How does this work out for us on a spiritual level? How, how does it work out to you, some of these principles, too, in your walk with Christ? Obviously, we've just applied them to your work. Let's apply them to your walk with Christ. One, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Godliness does not happen on accident. You don't fall into godliness. You don't like, okay, in our get rich quick kind of culture, we're constantly looking for that quick fix that's going to turn us into just this holy saint. We're going to have that one devotion that just makes us float and glow through the living room. And if I could have that on video, that would even be better. Right? No, no, no. Godliness comes with hard work. We, we, our salvation is monergistic, which just means God saves us. He saves us alone. We added nothing to that. He reached down and pulled a dead corpse up and brought it to life. That's how we're saved. But our sanctification, how we grow in Christ, that's synergistic. That means we partner with God. Now, God does most of the work, but we still step into the disciplines that he has given to us by his grace and mercy. We read our Bibles. We pray. We fast. We come to church. We serve, we give, we go. We, we, we are hard workers for the sake of the gospel. We can't be lazy when it comes to our walks with Jesus. You know, this is how the enemy oftentimes works in our life because we'll often say, well, I'm too tired really to read my Bible. Hear me. <laughs> There is more value for you in that scripture than there is in the paycheck you bring home. 
See, in our culture, a lot of times we place value on, okay, I'm working hard, I'm bringing this nine to five, I'm bringing this paycheck home, and that's what it's gonna be. But the reality is there's more gold and silver to be found in the pages of your scriptures than there is in the paycheck that you bring home every Friday. There's more value here for you waking up in the morning and spending time in his word than the hours that you work at the workplace. There's more value here for life and godliness. You can't be lazy here and expect to be a godly husband, a godly father, godly mom, godly wife. You can't be lazy here. I've told you this before. Oftentimes when people come in for counseling, they'll say, man, my life's a wreck. I don't, I, things are going crazy. My, my relationship with God, I, I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. There's nothing seems to be going right in, in what, what's going on in my life. And I'll say to them, first thing I'll say to them, okay, well, are you reading your Bible? No. Well, how do you expect to have a relationship with God if you're not putting in the, the work? It's work. How do you expect to have a relationship with God if you're not reading your Bible? How do you expect to be a, a godly husband and wife if you're not reading your Bible? It's foolish. Now, we're not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. Don't hear me say that. Uh, this is a fight for me, too. You, you think it's just, I just love getting up in the morning like, all right. No, I wake up, I'm like, oh. All right, where's the coffee? But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's more value here than gold or silver. There's, there's, there's value here. So we got to work hard at our holiness. Secondly, we got to let God be God. We got to put work in the right perspective. We need to, uh, you know, we, we can't. If you, if you get home and you can't give yourselves to your family because you're too tired, you might have an identity issue. Because what we need to be as, as parents, as husbands, as wives, we need to be a people that are, that are hardworking people in all things, not just our job. We can't expend all of our energy on our job and get home and expect our family just to leave us alone. That means we have our identity wrapped in our work. Our identity is not wrapped in our work. Our work does not stop when we clock out. Sure, that's how you get paid, but that's not just your job. There's more. You come home and that's the best work. You pour into your kids, your spouse. You do your family worship with them. That's the important work. We don't want our identity to be wrapped around a job we're only going to have for 40 years. You have your families to account for. You have the rest of your life to account for. Not to mention eternity beyond your life. You want all of that to be measured by those 40 years that you worked for the man somewhere? No, your identity is found in Christ. Put God as God of your life. And lastly, we, for the Christian, we, give, we work we, we, in our Christian lives. We work with excellence. There's no small job. Even in the church, there's no small job. I want to challenge you on this. I believe that every, um, uh, every Christian should have a, some kind of ministry. You should be serving somewhere. 
You should, you should be serving here in this church. You should be serving somewhere in our community. You should have something on your life that says, hey, this is, here's something that's not just for me and my family. It's something where I'm being a blessing to others, or I'm, you know, I'm proclaiming the gospel to others. You know, the scripture says, go and, you know, go and, and, and make disciples of all nations. That, that includes this nation. So we got to be a part of the mission of God. Every believer should be a part of the mission of God. Now, what that also means is that there are no jobs too small for us. A lot of times, you know, people who are successful in business areas, they think, well, I, I, you know, these things in the church are too small for me. I'll do some of these high-level things, but these things are too small for me. But let, let, let me kill some things here. First of all, I want to kill the volunteer. And what I mean by that is we don't have volunteers here at LifePoint. You're not a volunteer. You know what a volunteer is? A volunteer is someone who freely gives their time to some organization or event. They freely give their time. If you serve here, you don't freely give your time. God has told you to do it. You, you, you aren't a volunteer. You've been enlisted. You, 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 and, and, and here's the other thing about volunteer. Here at LifePoint, this is not philanthropy. This is not you going down there and rocking babies so you can check something off a list and feel good about yourself as you get home and sit all over that crock pot meal. I really served today. I really, I really volunteered and rocked those babies. No, no, no. This isn't philanthropy. What this is, when you sign up, when you are enlisted to be a part of a ministry of this church, you're not a volunteer. What you are is you are enlisting in, in the battle. So when you go down there and you rock a baby, and this is, I'm passionate about this because I've just sent three babies to this church, right? And we're done, all right? <laughs> Lord willing. <laughs> when you go down there and you rock a baby, you're not just rocking baby. You're not just sitting there saying, oh, I hope he doesn't fill up this diaper again. You know what you're doing? Is you're rocking that baby. You're praying over that baby's salvation. God save this baby. Say this young man, this young woman, use them for your name's sake, for your glory's sake. God, I pray that you would use this time for their parents as they're in there, hopefully hearing worship and hearing about you, that, they, that, he, that his dad would be the godly man and father that you want him to be to be able to raise this son in the Lord, this daughter in the Lord. Pray, God, for this baby's marriage. It's a long way off, but, God, I pray you would bless it. I pray, God, you'd be honored by him and his spouse. I pray, God, that you would use their marriage to be an example of what it's like to love Jesus and love each other. That's not volunteering. That's doing battle. You are praying over and dispelling the darkness. You, you are giving praying life over that child. And there may be some babies that come into this church that may not even get prayed for. You may be the only person that ever prays for that baby. And so there's no small jobs here. You might be a greeter. You think, I hate kids, I'm going to go greet. <laughs> Welcome to Life Point, I hate kids. <laughs> uh, maybe you shouldn't be greeting either. <laughs> maybe you're a greeter. And you're working that door, you're handing out the, the, the bulletin. It's not a small job. You realize that everybody that comes to that door has a story. Everyone has a story. And you don't know what it took for that family to walk through those doors for church for the very first time. And your smiling face, it better be smiling, your smiling face. 
that said, you know, you got somebody tell your face you worship God. You know, your smiling face saying to them, man, glad you're here. Thank you for coming to Life Point. Man, I hope God blesses you today. As they're walking in, carrying, no, no telling what kind of baggage. They might at the very door, or maybe so be it in the parking lot, have someone that says, speaks life into them and begins dispelling the darkness from their life so they can come in here and hear from the Lord. There's no small jobs. We work for our Lord. We work for our Lord. And as I said, everyone should have a service. You know, it, it, it should not be the case that our kids minister ever has to say to us pastors, bro, I need more leaders. I need more men to come down and lead men's ministry, kids' ministry, boys' small groups. That shouldn't be the case. It should not be the case. If you're a believer, you should be here serving in some capacity. Matter of fact, our kids' minister should come in saying, bro, stop talking about service. I've got too many people signing up. A blessing that would be. Stop talking about service. We ain't got enough rockers for all of, or babies for all the volunteers we've got, for all the, the servants we got. That's the way it should be. You should be working hard under the Lord. It's your work, in your church, for the kingdom, in your families. I, I picture us standing before the Lord, and we've always said this, but the Lord will say unto some of us, well done, good and faithful servant. He's not going to say that to the lazy person. He's not going to say that to the one who runs from serving the body of believers. And listen, some people say, man, you don't know, David. I just get burnt out. You know, I always think, I never say this. Maybe I'll get the courage to one day. They'll say, hey, I just burn out. I need to back out of serving the church. All right, well, you're burnt out. Why don't you back out of some of your work? Well, I never thought about that. What's, no, we, we ought to be pouring ourselves out for kingdom purposes too. And that's how we found life. That's how we find life. We find life in serving for the Lord. It should be a, a blessing to us, not a burden. Look, C.H. Spurgeon, who's a, a pastor, I've already read one thing from him, but, you know, he would oftentimes uh, work so hard. His, his, and his health, it would affect his health. He, he was constantly in poor, in poor health. And people would tell him, bro, you got to take a break. you got to rest. And he said, you know what he says in, in, in response to them? He says, every day. For the sake of the gospel, I work myself to death. And then I pray myself back to life. That's what we need. We need some individuals who are going to work hard and pray harder. We need some people who are going to labor for the sake of the gospel. Don't waste your lives don't waste your weekends. Don't waste your work. Live on mission every day for the sake of the gospel. Let's pray together. Father, you are so good to us. And... Uh,
God, I pray you would help us to be hardworking for the sake of the gospel. That we would be a people that, uh, ironically enough, trust in your work on the cross to make us hard workers. <laughs> we don't work for our salvation, but we work hard because we're saved. Father, I pray you would continue to impress the reality of the gospel over our hearts and over our lives, over our minds. That we would work hard unto you. As if you are watching, because you are always watching. I pray, God, for the areas in which we are lazy. And we all have areas in which we are lazy. Would you bring conviction? Would you... Would you would you move in us in such a way that we can see that clearly or put people in our lives that can point those things out to us clearly and so that we can repent of that and work hard for your name's sake. I pray, Jesus, that you would give us kingdom perspective. Our days here are short. Give us energy, passion, life and serving and doing kingdom work here. I pray that our identity is found only in you, not in our work. We need you in this, God, because we have a tendency to drift towards loving our work more than we should, worshiping our work more than we should. Help us to put things in the right perspective. Help us, God, to put you on the throne and everything else in the right perspective. That we would work hard because you are on the throne. That we would serve our families because you are on the throne. That we would serve our church because you are on the throne. We would give you all the glory with our lives and with our work. We love you, Jesus, and we need you. We need you to work in us in a powerful way. In Christ's name we pray, amen.